What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 76 of the Gaming Duel Podcast. I'm Kelvin, your host for this week, and I'm joined by co-host Robert Garcia and another special guest on the show. He is a literature professor, director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College, the chairman at University of New York Journalism Council, a voice actor in the gaming industry, amongst a plethora of other accomplishments like the founder of Legacy Comics. He's a jack of all trades. Let's welcome Patrick Hickey Jr. What's How up, you doing, man? guys? Welcome to what is up? Happy to be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's up? What's up, guys? What's going on, guys? How you doing? How you doing, guys? I'm great. Rob, I'm doing, Rob? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, I'm doing great, and uh, I can't complain too much. Started okay. a new job this week. That's that was interesting. That's so. fun. That's always fun. That's yeah. more stressful than fun, but hey, it's like a mix. It's like a mix of things. It's you know, it's exciting, but like you're not comfortable at the same time. So. Taking yeah. it day by day. Taking it day by day. Cool, cool, cool. I'm back, man. I'm, I'm I feel good. I, I'm ready to, to to podcast to talk to to, to you two guys about games, and it was good. It was good. Nice vacation. I went to Rhode Island, and I went to I stayed at Middletown, Rhode Island, and next it's like next to Newport. It is a beautiful place, gorgeous place. I recommend it. Ten out of ten. Awesome. Um, but you guys don't want to hear about my vacation time. We want to talk about video games. And Patrick is here, so welcome, Patrick, again to the Gaming Duel Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Um, if guys. you're if you're new to the show, welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We are the podcast that discusses the latest gaming news each and every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to support us, you can by heading on over to your favorite streaming service, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by going to thegamingduopod.com and leaving us a review. Let us know how we're doing. You can also support us by going onto our social media. Follow us by searching The Gaming Duo Podcast. Let's Please get into this. All right, guys. I'm gonna go right straight into the news because we have a lot to talk about, Patrick. We wanna we wanna dedicate the game the uh, in game chat to you, so we wanna not breeze through the news, but definitely get into everything that we wanna get into today, right? So, news number one, we're gonna talk about Nintendo Direct for Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Actually, before that, I forgot, completely forgot about this. I've been playing games, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's 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 crazy because a lot of people think, oh, Kelvin, Rob, uh, Kelvin doesn't play games. games. He only talks about games. But listen, I have been playing games. Obviously, I've been on vacation, so I had time, right? So I play. And I think you would appreciate this, Patrick. I played uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: uh, Shredder's Revenge. So good, phenomenal game. Played it at you PAX played East. it. I'm assuming. Love it. Love it. Played it at PAX. Phenomenal East. game. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, you played in PAX? Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. good. I have it downloaded on Game Pass, but like okay. all Game Pass games, there's so many games, and yet they just go into the ether. Where like I'll get to that eventually. You this know? is no, why you I downloaded it on my Switch. This is why I downloaded my Switch because it's like I can take it anywhere I want. You know, mm-hmm. take it while I take it a dump. You know, dump, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just like in the couch sleeping. I'm like, oh, I wake up like, you know what? Let me just play a little bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the game is phenomenal. It is a yep. homage to the 90s, a homage to the 16-bit era. It is everything you would want in that, you know, brawler type beat em up uh, gameplay style. And it is such a fun time. You play, you can play as all the, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and you can even play as, uh, what's the, what's Master Shredder? Splinter? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yep. Exactly. Yep. And it's it is fun, man. It is, is huge. That is huge. And also yep. you can also play online co-op. So, which is fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. I think especially for I, people I, that like, uh, were playing streets of rage last year and were in right. love with the retro beat em up goodness. This right. just takes it up another notch because I mean, the cell shaded graphics and streets mm-hmm. of rage four were beautiful, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's like, uh, it reminds me a lot of the last, uh, wonder boy, um, remake. I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. the, the same, uh, developer, the dot dot EMU boys. Those guys can just do really crazy, beautiful things. Wrong. So, and mm-hmm. the, 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 even even just like the music in the game is 
it just it just brings back memories, man. Like I used mm-hmm. to watch the show all the time, and yep. they even paid homage to the intro. Like when you first start up the game and boot it up, like it p- yep. plays intro to the beginning of the show. So it is it is such a you can tell the developers it's such a great work and putting in so much effort and so much time into it that I definitely recommend it. You can play again, like Rob said, you can play on the um on uh, Game Pass. You can play on, on Nintendo Switch if you like. Um, it is a phenomenal game. I played about four hours of it, beat it had a blast i want to play it again See, that's what i love just like and simple. you can there's even stats for some for for all the turtles too so if you want to play one that's better than the other like you know that's something that you could do as well so it's it's phenomenal i definitely recommend it another game that i've been playing was neon white surprisingly i like that game i don't know if you guys had a chance to try it out i no, have not I, I have not tried it uh i was it like 20 bucks something like that 25 bucks on the switch uh uh I think it's more than I paid twenty bucks because I had like a card, like a Nintendo eShop card, but I, I think okay. it's a little bit more than that. I think it's like full price if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But it is fun. It it's it's one of those games where you're timed, right? So you have to get from point A to point B. Um, and there's you're just kind of like in these worlds where you have to try to uh, uh, the story is a little weird. It's it's getting a little bit more interesting as I go, but basically you're dead. You're 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 in heaven or you're trying to get into heaven but you have Mm -hmm. to there's other um neons that you have to kind of compete against and you have to um kill as many demons as you can to get to heaven basically essentially but there's cards involved right and you use cards that are involved yeah and each card gives you sort of yeah that kind of reminded me of change of memories it gives you like this uh each each card gives you a a a boost or a stat that you can use to um kind of progress through the level and you know it's it's weird in a way because it has this like this anime style that i really am digging a lot but i'm not quite sure where this story is going so i'm interested to see how that goes but we'll see nice. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it and you know me rob i don't like time time anything timing me i'm like stop like this man off. hates majora's mask can yeah. you believe that he can't hates majora's it. mask because you get timed it but it's incredible game. so you're missing out i don't know i hear you I'm i hear well, let's get into the news, ladies and gentlemen. Nintendo Direct for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There was a 20-minute Nintendo Direct aired on Wednesday and focused on the new upcoming Xenoblade Chronicles game. Here are some tidbits. The open world uh, looks huge. It's pretty big right now. Um, and then quest r- routes are now highlighted. Crafting, cooking. They weren't and highlighted before, by the way. Like they that, were that's not. A, that's a big so deal. So that's one of those. Yeah, people just wander aimlessly. Just like here where it might be the quest. Uh, sure. But now they're just like. This is exactly where it is. Just follow this thing. So, cool. Uh, crafting, cooking, rest spots, return. Uh, characters will have roles: attack, defender, healer, classes like that. And you'll have six characters in battle and recruit extra hero NPCs. First off, I'll stop right there. Are you guys Xenoblade fans? I've never given it a chance. So we're all in the same honest. boat here. Okay. Yeah. I know it's a pretty I, deep, rich, atmospheric uh, yeah. game, but not really my cup of tea. It's like a What's it? Um, what's the what's the Capcom monster uh, game? Oh my monster God. hunter! Just can't, can't get into it. Can't, just can't get into it. I've I tried it. on I several it. consoles, and just I think the 3DS version was the one I played the most, and I still was just like, would somebody throw a pie already? Like I was just waiting for something, <laughs> yeah, for something, something to cool happen. to happen. You know, yeah. so right. yeah, this is one of those games for me. I can't really there's I can't really put my thumb on it. Not sure what exactly is that. I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a very slow start to the game. And again, me having so many things to do, I need something that I can really dig. I can dig into like quick, mm-hmm. you know, and this I'm okay. Like persona five persona games in general. I'm like, Hey, I am so down for it. Like yep. give me whatever persona you have. But when it yeah. comes to something as a slow start like this, it's really hard for me to like really feel, you know, enthralled in the game. So, well, you own uh Xenoblade Chronicles two, right? 
And I can tell you, I played like 15 minutes of it, and that was it. Can I borrow it? Can, can I borrow it? Can I borrow it? Ooh, uh, it's three digital. can I borrows. It's. It, I mean, you could borrow my Switch. Wait, I, it's, it's. You don't have the physical copy? No, I. I come on, man. Oh, 2022, bro. Come on. come on. I don't have That's that. Why you buy the physical copies? So you can yeah. Let people borrow. That that was back in the P, uh, the Vita days, man. When I let you borrow Persona Four. <laughs> nice. Um. Also, uh, releasing on July 29th, and it will be a thirty dollar expansion pass. So, what do you guys think about this? Is this obviously we're on the same boat here? This doesn't really do much for us, but, um. It's interesting because there was rumors to have a Nintendo Direct this month, and it seems like maybe this was it. This was a 20-minute Direct that was specifically focused on Xenoblade. So are we going to have another Nintendo Direct this month, or are we going to probably have that pushback sometime, maybe a little bit later towards the summer? What do you guys think? I'll let Patrick go first. Sure. Um, I think this is a very big um, series for them, but in terms of worldwide sales, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at their North American sales, um, they're probably not in the same category as the Japanese sales. Um, There's definitely a hardcore cult following for this game. Absolutely. Um, Oh, yeah. People love it, you know? So uh, it's definitely, I'm telling, it definitely hit like a note, but I'm sure there's got to be, this can't be the only thing that Nintendo drops. There's got to be right. more to that. Yeah. So you think it's something to drop in this month or sometime yeah. Oh, closer yeah. to Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, well, June's over. So something's de- over. something yeah. else definitely is going to be dropped like this summer. Like th- that yeah. can't be the big announcement, you know? Yeah. For when sure. was the last time you did a direct? Uh, Good question. Um, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's been a while. And it's been a Summer minute. Fest just happened. Summer Game Fest just happened, and they were nowhere to be found. So I think that they're due for something here. Yeah. If not July, definitely August. Mm-hmm. I would I would think more so July for sure. And again, we haven't heard a lot of games that they've been working on, right? So Bayonetta, we have nothing. Bayonetta three, there's nothing. You know, nothing. No talks about that. Um, I'm sure that. Metroid Prime 4. Yeah, I mean, when is that happening? Like, there's so many ifs and buts about that, but there's there's still a ton of things that they can release. Um, going back to the Persona talk about this, do you think Xenoblade can compete with Persona or the likes of Tales games? Like, is this something that, from what you were saying, Patrick, it, it's been a mega hit for Nintendo in the recent years where there's been a cult following for, for Xenoblade, and do you think it's kind of leveling up to where Persona and Tales are? I, I think Persona is a thousand times more sexier than... Oh, sexy. I love that you said <laughs> sexier. sexier. Yes, it is yeah, a sexy I mean, game. I mean, I've right. been playing Persona for, you know, and the games in the series for 20 years, you know. It's just like they just mm-hmm. they grab a hold onto you and they've got atmosphere and stuff. I'm not necessarily a fan of, like, a massive open world game. I like a game that has a sense of plot that, like, controls, like... See, the thing is with an open world game, an open world game doesn't necessarily have to focus on story as much because they know that you're just going to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much harder to create a game the likes of Persona that really like guides the narrative because the narrative is what eventually like rules the game. If the story sucks, you don't want to play it anymore. Whether whether as like an open world game, they know you're going to try and experience everything and there's going to be like three or four moments that you remember. So an open world game the likes of like Morrowind or like, you know, the Elder Scrolls games and Fallout are different because they have super strong narratives, you know, mm-hmm. but like most most open world games can't compete with like a traditional Japanese like RPG, like in terms of story and like pulling the pulling the, the gamer in for an experience. That's that's just right. how I feel. For sure. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think with Persona, with the conversations you have with the players in the game, with the NPCs and stuff like that, that they hold weight. 
Yeah. And you feel the effects of your decisions when you're mm -hmm. talking to them and you, they almost feel like your friends, right? And I think yeah. that's what really separates Persona from uh, these other open world games. I think also Xenoblade is pretty young as a franchise compared to Persona and yeah. Tales. Tales has been along, around mm -hmm. for a while. Persona's been like 20 years. Yeah, um, exactly. So it needs some catching up, but I, I think it could get there. It just needs to kind of differentiate itself a little more as far as like make it more that JRPG. Like we want the heavy, heavy, heavy story. Maybe maybe because we haven't played it, we, we don't understand. But right. from the outside perspective, it looks like the stories don't hold up as well as... I'll just wait until WrestleQuest comes out because that game has a great story, <laughs> has a really go. sexy voice actor. So I would rather just play WrestleQuest. I don't think I've ever uh, played... Yeah, I, I'm, really? You sexy? I don't think I've ever well, played how that. How sexy are we talking? Very sexy. Talking? The story is extremely sexy. Huh. Okay. Huh. Is... Mm -hmm. uh, What's the last name of uh, this voice actor? Oh, Hickey. 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 Yeah. Oh, okay. there it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Okay. There it is. All right. All right. Yeah. I'll have to check him out. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, man. <laughs> so we talked about the gameplay right there. So anyway, I just 50 hours. Out. Holy crap. Yeah. It's a um, real so traditional $30, $30 expansion pass for this, right? So do you guys think it would be advantageous of Nintendo to start like a day one uh, kind of like a, a releasing the day one expansion pass for for games like you know for this thirty dollar expansion pass for Xenoblade. Do you think it'd be wise for them to do that and include there's, that into the you know into the game? There's pass? definitely going to be people that buzz through the game. Like I remember when the first Pokemon came out on Switch, my nephew beat it literally in like two days, and I was just like, he was like seventeen. That's Rob like, right did, there. Did you go outside? And no. He's like, yeah, no, Rob, I just. Rob the answer is no. The answer is no. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't go outside. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely people that will play the game enough to get to like the exp expansion pass in a day or two. Yeah. So yeah, why not? And give those people what they want, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, I was, I was going to ask too, do you think Nintendo should be adding day one games to expansion pass in the sense that like, if you have expansion pass, you get this game. That's, that's mm. like, like kind of like how Microsoft is doing. And Sony's I kinda getting think into. that would be wise for them to do. Only because it just it just builds that catalog for the expansion pass, right? It just builds that catalog for Nintendo's, um, you know, what whatever it's called, Nintendo expansion Ex pass. Yeah, plus. it's such a boring name, but yeah, that's yeah. what it is. So it, I, <laughs> I, I think it just it builds that catalog for it. So yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't be an issue if they would do that. Um, it, it, I mean, I think they started doing that right because they had Animal Crossing a part mm -hmm. of the expansion pass. I'm just gonna call it expansion pass. I don't care. Um, so it's just one of those things that it could, it just seems more <laughs> just enticing. You know what just, I mean? I just missed the days when you got an entire game the day you bought it. Yeah. 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 Me too. Back I, in the day, man. You, back in the like, day. And no day one patches. Oh, I miss yeah. those days. Well, so well, like Super Nintendo days, right? Where you would get like, you, you would get a game, Super Mario Bros., and then you know it's the full game. There's no yeah. nothing. Like, you're just going to. The only issue you have is if the game would work, you would just blow on the cartridge and then just yep. smack it back, and it'd be perfect. And to get the replayability, replayability, you would want to keep playing that game over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. You would just want to beat the time or just experience it. They were just more memorable that way. The only game to recent memory that was like that to me, we got the full package right then and there, was Elden Ring. I think you got a, you got a full Very game. Very recent, yeah. Right, that was that was the most recent one, I think. Yeah, if you guys agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it it just depends on who's building the game and who who's doing what. But in this time and age now, with how games have updates and and you know they have uh, post production expansions and so, stuff like that, it's like do they 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 think of it as like do we really need to 
build the game and then release it completely full expansion or can we just work on it like have it out and then work on the game again to its full completion and that's a shitty way to think of it but that's just absolutely it's like it's like marrying somebody and them being like well listen um i know you wanted to marry someone with a college degree but after you marry me i promise you that i'll work on that exactly you know like you would never do that you know and it's wild how much the the gaming industry has changed over the past like you know 40 years you know it's insane yeah, we'll get we'll get more insight on on what you think about that a little bit later. But sure. for now, let's get into news number two with Final let's Fantasy sixteen information from Naoki Yoshida. I hope I said that right. Naoki Yoshida. So Square Enix provided us with more information on Final Fantasy sixteen with an interview from producer Naoki Yoshida, uh, giving us more information on what to expect from the anticipated next installment of Final Fantasy. So here are some tidbits. So the title is going to be more action-oriented approach to a uh, to appeal for a more wider audience. Um, there will be a more comprehensive support system, so possibly QTE, maybe. Like, are we thinking like some kind of like God of War esque like button mashing, like quick time, quick event, time right? events? QTE. Think they're learning you... something from the Final Fantasy VII remake? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and the combat is going to be more in line with like Devil May Cry, mm-hmm. which is like ooh. that is beautiful. Right up my alley, man. Um, for the plot, uh, basically nations are fighting to obtain each other's crystals, so there's a war on crystals in this game. Um, new trailer will arrive in the fall with lore and story focus. With probably, I would think Tokyo Game Show. Maybe I would think our yeah, next trailer they, would they be got right. And then they have a one or two companions to co- for combat, so it's more AI driven. So there's no swappable characters from what they're trying to say. Which I don't know how you feel about that, guys, but it's starting to sound like it's not your traditional rpg it's not like your traditional final fantasy game so how do you guys think about that with the lack of um you know playable characters that you can swap or the game being more action oriented it's not a final fantasy 7 game it's not a final fantasy game anymore you know it's not a jrpg Hmm. it's not a jrpg it's well it's it's kind of striving away from the jrpg Mm -hmm. aspect so i mean are they they cashing in on the on, like I said, the changes that were made in the Final Fantasy VII remake to make it more palatable to a new audience. I mean, as as an educator, I could tell you, it's like the days of the youngsters appreciating the written word. Mm-hmm. They're pretty low, you know, pretty and low. it's just like the amount of strategy and intensity in a well thought out uh, Japanese role playing game fighting engine are amazing, but mm-hmm. they're not for everybody. Because right. most people do not want to wait, you right. know, take the time and understand the system ins and outs mm-hmm. and how it how it works. I mean, um, Roberto, think about it. Like the last JRPG that you really liked, if you look at like you probably played like seventy hours, eighty hours of it, probably more than half of that was in those screens during the turn based action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think think of most recent Final Fantasy VII remake, right? It's, it was a combination, mm-hmm. but you were still, I was still like kind of pausing it to to click the the special ability and mm-hmm. switch to healing. And I think they're trying to step away. The from TikTok that, like, generation That's Final don't Fantasy want that. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. So, yeah, I yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do. I mean, in my opinion, th- this seems like all positives for me. Again, I'm on the spectrum of I enjoy JRPGs. I enjoy like action RPGs. So oh yeah, as long as the game is is fun to play and i'm okay with the action oriented rpg elements to it i'm okay with that um I, i'm just worried that it might strive too far away from what final fantasy is you know 
known and loved for. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because we've seen Final Fantasy VII Remake and it is more action-oriented, right? Completely changed the, the gameplay style of what the original made and it seems to be, have been working that worked out well for, for everybody, right? Absolutely. And I, this is not the first time they've, they've changed up the formula like this dramatically. Think of uh, Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus. You were literally, it was a shooter. Yeah. It was a tactical, it was a shooter, so... They definitely like to take a risk, and I think you know sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm, I'm for a spinoff too. But like for the main game, it's a big risk. You it's know? a big risk, 100. percent um, The game will not be open world. It will be more focused on independent area-based game design. What do you guys think about mm-hmm. that, Patrick? Well, it goes back to what we were talking about with Persona. If the story is good, then that works out great in their benefit. Yep. And those guys are classic storytellers, so. If the action is different, but the story is still amazing, then it's still a Final Fantasy VII game. It just got that's what everyone goes for. Yeah, you know? for the story, they mm-hmm. usually. Well, we yeah. go back to Final Fantasy thirteen, right, where that was a more linear experience. Now, a lot of people, there was a lot of backlash from that game because it just felt very linear. It felt like less of an RPG or less of a JRPG. So, with this being more, you know, story focused or you know more linear, I guess having more like open zones, like kind of like how Sonic uh, Frontier is trying to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, will this hinder the experience for for the audience that is ex, that wants that full fledged RPG experience? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you said, they're taking a risk. So, yeah. is this going to pay off in the end? It'll still sell a million copies. They'll still make their money back. Yeah. It's like the worst M Night Shyamalan movie. Still makes its budget back. That's why he gets to keep making movies. You know, so it's 100%. like Final Fantasy is still going to sell enough copies to get to the next one. You know, yep. so. I'm buying it, David. Oh yeah, to, see, oh, there, you go. So, there we go. You have my, you have my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to to end this here, uh, Ryota Suzuki, known for his work on DMC, played a major role in the combat as his team is the combat director, um, and the Kingdom Hearts team contributed into the real time combat and boss battles. Ooh. That to me Let's is go. sold. Like I'm sold. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. Devil May Cry yes. basically from Robert because he is a huge Devil May Cry fan, and final and and uh, Kingdom Hearts is is one of my favorite games of all time. So you combine that you're making final fantasy 16 out of it and you, you got me i'm sold now i have simple and clean stuck in my head I hate oh my you. god good job kelvin good job simple and clean i, I want to sing it right now but i'm not going to um, do it. the Just game do is it. rated Where the game is rated m go away. oh see you <laughs> don't hear me say, say don't go. don't go oh my god i love that such game. a good song you cried the first yes. time that, that i cried a hundred percent dude the ending oh, yeah. oh my god i, I can't all right uh, uh, oh the game is rated m which is also another uh, risk right because that's one of those things where m rated games don't you know theoretically don't sell as well as like teen everyone like sure. e for everyone so all those mm-hmm. things so that's another risk there and then uh we're gonna also be experiencing what final fantasy 15 tried to do which was clive uh we're following clive into his teen years 20s and 30s so that's interesting mm-hmm. you know so that's I, I hope i like that progression by the I do way too. of them doing that because with the last one with noctis spoiler alert by the way so spoiler alert, spoiler spoiler um he was young and then you like warp speed into being a little older. Yeah. And you're like, you go into the hyperbolic time chamber and then you're just. Exactly. Yeah. Essentially what happened. Yeah. This will be like nice um, to actually see the progression of your character versus just being, I'm old now. And that's it. Yeah. Um, and then you just end the game. Mm-hmm. So For sure. So one of the biggest questions that I have, which I'm not sure if you guys have the answer to this, but they announced that this game is coming out next year. 
fall 2023. They also announced recently that Final Fantasy VII will be coming winter of 2023. Now, call me a crazy person, but I don't think that's gonna happen. One of the one of these are gonna be delayed. Which one is it? Is it Final Fantasy sixteen or is it gonna be Final Fantasy seven part two? One of these motherfuckers are gonna get delayed. What do you think, Rob? I'm gonna call Final Fantasy seven uh rebirth. I think it's is it rebirth or reunion? Rebirth. rebirth is gonna get delayed. Just because the game looked beautiful from what we saw. We didn't see a lot of it though. We just saw what we saw with Cloud Sephiroth, right, walking towards the mountain. Uh that's a lot. We only have like basically a year and a half to get more. I feel like that's not enough time. And I feel like there might be something that goes wrong with Final Fantasy 16 or something. And they might have to work on some issues there. Post patch, you know, post release and stuff like that. So um, I also don't want to get my hopes up. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to. I also don't want to cry. It's coming out winter. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's coming out winter. It's coming out winter. And then it does not come out winter. And I'm just like, okay, well, now I just end it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I'm going to probably say it's probably going to get delayed. Patrick? Number seven is. I think games getting delayed is the best thing for a game. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first person to say that. You know, um, I'm totally against patch culture. Um, I've reviewed hundreds of games, you know, for, you know, a bunch of websites over the years. And it's just like that day one patch stuff. I'm I'm so over it. Um, so it's just like, uh, yeah. I hope both of these games get delayed if they're not ready. Um, right. But I do think... Uh, I think the newer Final Fantasy um, has a lot more moving parts mm-hmm. and is, has a lot more cooks in the kitchen, especially mm-hmm. you're talking about you got a different okay. guy leading boss uh, battles. You've got a different guy leading, you know, fighting mechanics. You've got a really big team there. I think that Final Fantasy VII game is in a much better place than people give it credit for. Um, I think you're going to see pieces of that Final Fantasy VII game when it comes out that were being, you know, developed, you know, three, four years ago. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like that Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth is in a lot better place than people think it is. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Fine, um, Square Enix has a lot of games coming out. They are working on so many projects right now. Kingdom Hearts 4 is one of the major projects that they're working on. Not, to, not, not, you know, not forgetting Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 7 Part 2. Um, there's a, a, a ton of games that they're working on it. You're also Reunion. Reunion as well. It's the, the HD remake mm-hmm. of the uh, Crisis, Crisis Core. Score. Right? You got that coming. It's, coming it's a lot for them to have on their plate. And again, like you said, I, I'm against the, the whole, um, you know, pub, like patch culture or whatever. But I just think that this is better for them if they think re- releasing whatever they think is best to release first. I, I, you know, I'm totally for it. But one of these would probably have to get delayed not only just because it's just too many final fantasies in one shot but also because you you don't want like i was talking before in previous episodes you don't want to cannibalize your marketing for this game either you know if you're if you're trying to focus on final fantasy 16 focus on that focus give that game the just breathing room not that it needs it but give that game the breathing room that it needs to to flourish and be the best it could possibly be Whereas Final Fantasy VII Part Two, you know it's going to sell well, but give it its own space, give it its own time, you know. Because I feel like having so many Final Fantasy games in one year, you're going to burn out the players. You know what I mean? As, like three months we have in right. between sixteen and seven. As remakes, much as right, people that's, love that's... Final Fantasy, it, it's it's a little bit too much. Like if I had Kingdom Hearts three and then Kingdom Hearts four in like a six month span. Would I love it? Probably, but I would probably also be burnt out and be like, "All right, this is this. I'm done for for a while now." You know. Well, Rob, Patrick, we're done with the news. Very short wow. news week. 
the juice of this though is in-game chat where we talk about juice. patrick all about patrick so let's get right into that all about you baby all about you patrick the floor is yours this is your time to shine tell the audience who you are we're just gonna throw questions at you left and right sure. and you're gonna be ready for them i know you are so patrick i'll start first who are you what do you do can you give us <laughs> who is this man that's in our like in who front of us right now um can you just walk us through all your roles like why are you so so diverse <laughs> So I've been a college professor for 16 years. I'm the head of the journalism program at uh, Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also the chairman of the City University of New York Journalism Discipline Council. Um, that's my full-time job. Uh, I'm also a professional voice uh, video game voiceover actor. Um, I've been in about eight games. There's about five or six more that are coming that I've done work on. Um, I am the author of the Minds Behind the Games book series, which have four books out currently and three more on the way. Those books are in the libraries of Harvard, Yale, Stanford, UC Berkeley, University of Shanghai, like all over the world. Um, it's basically like an ESPN 30 for 30 collection of interviews mm -hmm. with the developers of That's games. fascinating for me. I, I love, like I, like I said, you know, prior to the show, I love anything in the gaming industry, like just anything like culture wise as far as like you know the, the ceos and things like that like i yeah. love stuff like that so that would be a fantastic book for me to grab especially the playstation one i mean available in all uh, major retailers for the yeah, most part yeah right? barnes and noble walmart target um amazon my official site you know like everywhere yeah everywhere fine books are sold online you can grab them they're available digitally as well on kindle on you know whatever like you know device you use um, so that's, that's a, that's a big part of what I do. I've been a journalist, um, for about 20 years. I, I was an editor at NBC. I covered three Super Bowls, a presidential election, two Olympics. I covered the NHL, the NBA, wow. NFL, uh, two and a half seasons of Saturday Night Live. Like, um, I've, I've done my, I've done my due diligence, you know? Um, so Mm -hmm. okay. I was just going to ask why, why so much? Like what, what is it that keeps you pushing? What is it that makes you want to continue being so diverse, having so many hats? Like, why is it that you strive to, and, and that, and not saying that in a negative way, but that's a, no, a no, fantastic no. way to see life, right? Like you just sure. want right, right. to keep, keep pushing in so drive. many ways. What makes you drive? What's your drive? What's your motive? You guys ever watch a uh, professional wrestling before? You guys wrestling fans? I have not. Yes, yeah, I, I've I've watched professional wrestling. I have. Yeah, but not, a, so, not, I'm not. So two of my two of my favorite wrestlers are uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, mm -hmm. I know that and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, okay. So there was guys. a a time where Dusty Rhodes was like this legend. He's won like every title. He's been head of creative for companies. He's like a renaissance man in wrestling. He's he's driving the car. And Diamond Dallas Page is like in his late thirties, and he's just like, man, I just, I just like want to start winning some matches. Mm -hmm. And Dusty Rose is like, you've got it all wrong. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, if you don't want to do everything, if you don't want to be the champion, if you don't want to be the king, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. you know. So for me, it's like, um, I grew up in a lower middle class white family, didn't have much. Um, and uh, I just want to set the bar as high as possible for, for myself, for my kids, for my students. Um, and there's so many people that are like, oh, I think I could do this. But it's like, have you tried? Have you done it? Right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody like probably like two hours ago. And they're like, oh, what do you do in the 24th? 
and I was like, I'm going to be in Pennsylvania for uh, Zolocon. I'm hosting Zolocon. It's this video game convention and stuff like that. And like it's my comic book company. I'm co-owner of a comic book company. I write comic books as well. Um, we're going to be there. It's going to be like this big thing. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, why? What's the matter? And he goes, oh, I needed a ring announcer for my wrestling event. Because I've done that before, too. So it's just like, wow. if you don't put your your name out there if you don't stick your neck out a little bit you're never ever gonna like get any opportunity so it's just like every opportunity i've had have been small opportunities and then i've just made sure that like they became bigger and bigger opportunities so it's just like from teaching um from voice acting from writing all of those things started out as very small opportunities because people from lower middle class families don't usually get huge opportunities so i got a little opportunity proved that i could be consistent And then just killed it after that, you know, and put some time in, you know, I'm 38. So I've been around for like 20 years doing all this stuff. So it adds up after a while. So, yeah. Well, how about you, Kelvin? I feel inspired. It's inspiring. A hundred percent. Because I mean, you you definitely push your boundaries to 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 as much as you can to the limits. You know what I mean? Like you, you have, there's nothing that that stops you or, or nothing that you think can stop you. And that's what I really find interesting about you because with so many, like I couldn't feel like the introduction. I, I, there was a ton of things that you've done that I just could not put into the introduction because it, it would have just been, it would have been way too long. You have to write an essay on all of your accomplishments. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. And that's very yeah. interesting for me. Like I, I applaud you for that. Thank um, you. Thank you. Let's, let's go into a little bit more about your comic books, right? Let's go into sure. more about the legacy of, uh, legacy comics um so tell us a little bit about that yeah so i um i had written my first comic conjury when i was uh when i was 18 and uh it's basically like a sin city meets like highlander noir that um takes place in brooklyn um it's about a, a kid who um whose dad was this like star detective and he gets killed by this gang that's like running Brooklyn so then he gets placed in foster care and he's like a victim of the system and he gets passed around like from family to family and he just wants answers and then he gets to a certain age where he's like kicked out of the foster care system and he's homeless so he's basically like this homeless vigilante that's like on the hunt to find out why his father died who killed his father and stuff so it's really gritty it's it's very noir you know mm-hmm. so it's just like if you like the Punisher if you like Deadpool if you yes, like Daredevil but yes. what happened was could never find an artist mm. and um then i started college and i started to get into journalism and i started covering uh professional baseball and professional hockey and it's just like every couple of years i would kind of mm-hmm. come back and be like this story is really good so Can't you had this idea in your head you just for 20 didn't years. have anyone to actually could like portray it was all, this illustrate this. it was all written right it was all written you know and it's like um, we're up to country four and and like so basically all of the original idea is has been like published through zero one two three and four so now like all the stuff that's coming now with conjury five and six and stuff it's all new stuff so it's that's like mega exciting for me mm-hmm. but um yeah it was all in my head and then it's like every couple of years i would be like I, I would try and find a new artist and they just wouldn't be able to cut the mustard and then probably mm-hmm. around like 2019 i met kieran x quinn who's just like super amazing and uh, we put together like a six page comic as like a proof of concept and we were getting ready to start uh, pitching it to like Image, Dark Horse, and stuff like that, the, like the big indie companies and stuff. Yeah. And then COVID happened, mm. and those companies were not accepting pitches from like unknown developers. And the thing is, like, you know, I have books in Harvard, Yale, and stuff, but like comic book writing is completely different 
venues. So like I would pitch them and be like, yeah, you know, like I've written for the New York Times, the Daily News, like all the New York Daily News, all these places. But they're like, yeah, but you're not a comic book writer. You got to show us like some comic book stuff. So what ended up happening was um, I ended up interviewing um, the founder of lesser known comics, Mark Burnell, for my entertainment website. I've owned an entertainment website for about 12 years, uh, reviewfix.com. It's got like 23,000 articles on it. I've interviewed like Channing Tatum on there, um, Ultimate Warrior. um, Wow. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Paul Walker. I interviewed Paul Walker like two weeks before he died um, for Review Fix. Um, And uh, so I interviewed Mark for Review Fix and it got super good traffic. And he's like, oh, if there's ever anything that I can do for you. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. Like, that's what I do. I interview Mm -hmm. people. It's cool. And then I'm like, wait a second. And I sent him the six page proof of concept. And he was just like 20 minutes later. He's like, we need to publish this. Um, So they published Conjury 0, 1, 2, and 3. And then probably around August of last year, I just said to myself, you know what? It's been fun writing for them. They're super nice and stuff like that. But I'm ready to do this on my own. And I put together a bunch of people and we started Legacy. I started Legacy with John Svedesi, um, who's the co-owner. He's the chief creative officer. I'm the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to Kickstarter. And uh, we were funded in less than three hours. Um and we got, yeah, it was wild. It was insane. We got uh, TV coverage. We got newspaper coverage. And um, we were just off to the races. So, like, How did our... you feel? Like, th- this must have happened in such a short amount of time. Like, you must have been, you guys must have been blown away. Like, this it was, was just so much to unpack. We made, we, it was like, we, we launched, uh, so what happened was I officially left um, Lesser Known, like, November 1st. November 3rd, I announced that we had started Legacy. And November 5th, we announced the Kickstarter. So we had, like, no followers on Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. nothing. We had nothing. Uh-huh. And everyone was telling me, you're crazy for doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I have 20 years of writing experience. I have people that have bought, like, all, all of my books. I have a support system, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happened. You know, like, um, we launched the Kickstarter at, like, 12 o'clock. And by the time I picked up my daughter... We were funded. Like by the time I picked up my daughter from school, we were funded. So it was just Man, like um, that's insane, yeah. dude. Like, thank congrats you. on that. That's that's no easy feat, and uh, it, it just it just goes to show you like how fast it can yeah. happen, right? When and like you said, you have the you drive, just got to be ready, right? that, you know, and you got to have passion. Yeah, you know, you got to pitch people from the heart, you know. And it's like I, I try and explain to a lot of a lot of young people. Like I have a lot of young people that come to me for advice and they're like, oh, well, you always got to sound bigger than what you are. And I'm like, no, I'm like, success is like you being you with the volume turned way up. The closer you are to the perception that you try and show others, the more successful you'll you'll be. The less that you try and stretch what you've done and you just you're just transparent and honest with people and say, I've done this. I've done that. You could take it. You could leave it. Blah blah. blah. And people are like, oh, well, I did this. And it's like it's stretched. People can see right through it. You know, so it's just like I try and just be as authentic as possible with people. And sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's just like bottom line is like, you know what you're going to get. Like if I tell you I'm coming out with a book next year, I'm going to come out with a book next year. You know, so right. it's just like um, we got a great reception from uh, the uh, from Kickstarter. We were a project that they love. Blah, 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 blah. So we launched five books. Um, one of them is Conjury. Um, my second book. Um, it's called The Job. It's one of my favorites. It's like it originally started as a play. One of my friends who's an actor dared me to write a play. Um, and I wrote a play. You said bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, bet. He, he was basically, <laughs> basically like, how, how come you've yeah. never written a play before? And I'm like, fucking hate you. And he's, he's like, why? And I'm like, because now I have to write a play. And it was like, it was like mm-hmm. Halloween of 2019. And he was like, 
when can you have it? And I'm like, by Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably like two weeks later, I had written this play. It basically centers around a jobber, a professional wrestler that loses all of his matches. He never wins. Um, His name is Dan Dero. He's the superintendent of like a building in Brooklyn. Doesn't make a lot of money. But he's got a great car. And his valet, the woman that comes to him with the ring, is also his wife. And she's smoking hot. And everyone's like, how? You lose every match. Like, how does this happen? And he's just like, I rob banks. And that's what they do. Hence the job. job. So, because, like, in wrestling, when you lose a match, it's called doing the job. And obviously, Mm. when you're robbing a bank, they call it the job. Like, you know, going to do the job. So, it's a lot of fun. That's gotten a lot of like a lot of like notoriety over the past couple of months. Well, we're we're about to finish uh, issue one. That's going to come out in the fall. That's a lot of fun. Um, I'm writing three books for Legacy. The third is actually based off of an indie game that I wrote the story for. That's still in development. It's kind of like going back and forth because of COVID. But uh, the lead animator on the game is Pete Paulquette. And um, if you don't know who Pete Paulquette is, um, he's the lead animator on Bioshock Infinite. Um, yeah. Oh wow. So uh, the name of the game is is Kroom. So we did issue zero of Kroom for the Kickstarter. So we're currently looking for another artist, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be a six issue miniseries, and mm-hmm. each issue is going to represent a different level in the game because it's an old school like um, top down shooter. Ah. So it's just like each level is going to each uh, issue of the comic is going to end in a boss fight. So it's going to be super fun, super down to earth. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So um, Legacy has been it's it's pretty it's pretty freaking awesome like we've got like six comics now um we've got the legend of the night owl by afram jambalai who's actually a stunt man he's been on like uh, luke cage uh daredevil law and order like he's an amazing writer too um wow. we got um commissioned by the bram stoker estate to do the official like prequel to dracula in comic book form Wow. so that was super cool let's go um That's it's called it. renfield yeah. visions of madness so it follows the because i'm not sure if you guys know but like jonathan harker is basically like a real estate agent like he goes mm. to like transylvania to like you know so the real estate agent that goes like before harker is renfield so our our comic is the story of renfield like meeting wow. dracula and it's that based awesome. off of we got bram stoker's original notes to write the comic which was pretty mm-hmm. wild and um after we showed we showed his great great nephew the comic and he went on facebook and was like if bram stoker saw this he'd be very proud of it so we were just like mm, you know that's um, that's crazy so we've also got a a pretty old school um superhero tale called athos but it's got a nice like invincible spin on it if you guys have watched invincible mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it's yes. basically like what if like earth's greatest hero was like batshit crazy you mm-hmm. know like it's so so like Homelander in the yeah, voice, yeah. But like a lot cooler. It's right. it's really cool. Um, he I like his design. I'm looking yeah. at him right now, and and he is a great design. You know, you could tell he's he's super powerful, but he's, he's mm-hmm. if you if you look at that cover, that cover was actually inked by um, LeBeau Underwood from DC um, Comics and and Marvel. Really? He actually just did um, Patch, the new Patch series. Um, wow. So Patch is Wolverine when he's wearing like the eye patch and stuff like that. So like we got LeBeau Underwood to do the um, to ink the cover for us i'm trying to think of what else we got um but uh, we, we've here, got um you have uh 
Can you tell me about Apollo? Oh, Apollo. Apollo. Yeah. So, oh, so this, that, that's our Apollo, newest yes. um, book. It's actually like an American manga. So, like, you mm-hmm. guys are fans of Persona and stuff. So, imagine if like Persona was written by two guys from like South Carolina. You know, like, okay. um, okay. so it, it's manga at its heart, but it's got like a much more like American political kind of view. It's definitely got its like roots in, in Akira. Okay. Like, if you like Akira, mm-hmm. you will love Godfo, um, Apollyon, twenty uh, XX. Um, so that's actually coming out this fall, um, uh, not this fall, this summer, alongside Sarita. And uh, Sarita is a one shot that is in the Condry verse. Sarita is like Condry's sidekick. So we, Condry is one of our flagship characters. So like Sarita has become like a cult character. So I was like, you know what? We got to write her an origin story that does her justice. So um, a bunch of people were asking me for it. So this summer, um, we're going to have uh, Sarita and uh, Godfo the Godfo Ash can come out. So it's crazy. So we had the Kickstarter that was like five books. We did variant covers of all that stuff. The summer we've got two more books coming out. Full we've already we're already working on like two or three books. So it's been it's been really wild. It's like jam packed. Yeah, man. I went from wanting yeah. to do comics to actually doing a comic to running a publishing house. So it's been Holy it's crap. been pretty insane. Yeah. And it's uh, well there you're the prime example of what you said, you know? With, keep going with and, all these ideas, with all these just concepts in your head and, and and it looks like you're you're making all these ideas a reality how do you how do you focus on one or 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 multiple projects at the same time like i know you have your co-founder with you um, yeah what's his name again i'm sorry john spadesi john spadesi 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 so how do you guys prioritize things i guess is my question he handles the art and i i handle the editorial and i i do a lot of ordering around mm, yeah <laughs> i'm not the i'm not the easiest be- person to work with yeah, but um yeah. i have a i have a way that like i i want you have a done. vision and, yeah i have a vision and so does he and we, we try go. and you know accommodate each other as best way as possible but it's just like i have the editorial experience because of my time at nbc and you know i've worked for several magazines and stuff like that i was i mean i was the most read video game critic on examiner for quite some time before they before they close down so it's just like i know how to get readers i know how to keep readers i know how to like run socials and stuff like that so it's just like we try everyone tries to work to their strengths and um i just try and make sure that like if i'm sitting down with another creator um my phone is turned around the other way and they know that i'm just focusing on them and then like if i'm working on like my stuff that i am just focusing on on the comic book stuff it's just like um i had a meeting earlier today for the comic book company, turned my phone upside down. And then when I got off my phone, uh, one of the companies that I do voice acting for, one of the video game publishers is like, we need something. So then I just focused on that. It's just like, if you stay task oriented and you just accomplish the things that you need to accomplish uh, and you don't let your mind wander, you let your mind wander later. You know, it's just like a lot of success is just doing the things that people ask you to do. Being the moment. be in the moment, be where you say you're going to be, where when you're going to, you know, where you're going to be, when you're going to be there. And then um, the times when you have downtime, that's the times that, that you daydream and, you know, you fill your brain with ideas. But then when it's time to do, you've got to, like, take those things and do something it's tangible do with them. Yeah. There's so many right. people that have great ideas, but they don't do anything with them, you know? Right. Um, Probably, like, one of the best uh, pieces of advice I ever got was from uh, uh, Craig Broadbook um road books and uh he did all the nhl faceoff games on ps1 and ps2 he's like one of my favorite video game developers um and he's just like be a finisher he goes 
you know, he goes, I have Finish a lot him. of... Sorry, I don't yeah. know. I just... Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, literally. but it's just like, the NHL face-off games, like, I have a soft spot in my heart for them on PS1. PS2, they kind of lost some of their luster, and then the series died and stuff like that. But bottom line is, like, the guy released, like, 10 years of hockey games. You can't take that away from him. He finished all of this stuff, and there's so many people out there. I mean, you guys know this. How many games are canceled? Oh, my 100%. God. 100%. You know, so it's just like some of them that uh, they don't it, even it, show it, the light of day. Yep. People have no idea. Right. You know? I could think of. Right. I, I could think of like one off the top of my head. Scalebound. Right. I was so pumped when I saw that game coming out, and I was right in my alley. And then I was so disappointed. They canned it. it. Was, yeah. When it was That's canceled. Crazy. Yeah. So I just, just never want to be in that situation. I just like if I come up with an idea, it's like when I you know started doing the minds behind the games books. It's just like. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do a sequel or a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh, but it was just like one book at a time, putting as much high quality content in each book and then, Mm -hmm. and then releasing, you know, just releasing, you know, and for some people, it's just like they set their standards so high, but by not releasing, you never create a standard. So if you don't get feedback, you know, if you don't, if you don't learn anything, then, Mm -hmm. then you don't have a standard and you haven't really accomplished anything. You've just blown a lot of smoke, you know, hundred percent. I have a question for you when you bring up the, the minds behind, uh, you know, the books here. How are you able to network with so many developers to to write those books? It's a secret. <laughs> it's a Got secret. It. Um, Got it. So I will okay. tell you, no, it's not a secret. It's hard work. Um, I've probably spent just as much time finding these people as I have interviewing them. Um, I mean... Dane Bigham, who's one of the creators of Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, like I was looking through like yellow pages in like Virginia to find like, you know, where he lived and like or where he worked and uh, using LinkedIn, using Moby Games, using uh, the Wayback Machine on the Internet to find out like, you know, like yeah, using yeah, yeah. every tool I have as a journalist um, to find these people. So you're relentless oh, absolutely. in trying and I've, to find I've these people. I've annoyed the living and, shit yeah. out of so many developers. But the thing is, it's just like, Somebody at the end to. of the day, you know, at the end of the day, we'll put it this way. I've I've found a way in some crazy way to go from writing books about games to actually writing for games, editing for games, and doing voiceover for games. And a lot of the jobs that I've gotten are from people that I've interviewed from the minds behind the games books. And the thing is, I've never asked these people to hire me for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've come to me because of the work that I've done with them. So it's just like it's setting a high standard for yourself, being relentless, not being scared to annoy people, not being scared to um, demand someone's best and the relationships not be, that you not form. being afraid of failure, too. You know, yeah, like, yeah. obviously, oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure at some That's point it. you it's did good. fail and, and, and maybe, you know, getting someone um talking to one of the developers or, or just like maybe one of your comics just didn't do as well as you wanted or anything like that. Yeah. There is oh, failure yeah. involved in a lot of this. Sure. I mean, we could, we could scale this up. Look at Google, right? Google is one of the, the, one of the biggest companies in the world. Do you know how many different things that they've tried to do and mm-hmm. they failed at it? And it's like, there's literally a site called like Google graveyard mm-hmm. of all the failed hundred percent. I mean, virtual voice as so, what, like, you know, like, yeah. A hundred percent, right. And the bottom right, line exactly. is, like, if you exactly. didn't have the Virtual 100%. Boy, I mean, think about it. And the same thing, if you didn't have the Virtual Boy and the Wii U, you probably wouldn't have the Switch. You wouldn't have the Switch, 100%. You know? 100%. It's funny, yeah. it's like yeah. last night, I'm sitting down um, on the couch, and I'm like, oh, and my wife's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, one of the developers from Boulder's Gate just messaged me on Facebook, from, like, the original Boulder's Gate. And I'm just like, mm. Wow. 
And she's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I finished that book like two months ago. That would have been a great source for that book. You know? But yeah, it's time to make I another am. one. Oh my goodness! Exactly. <laughs> there you go, Kelvin. You know, <laughs> part like, two. So that's the thing. It's just like um, the journey never ends. Yeah. You know, you know, the second that you stop making goals for yourself, like you're dead. Right. You know, the second you that you stop saying, yourself. yeah. You know, I remember when the first book came out, people were like, oh, that must have been cool. I'm like, yeah, got to be something else uh, that I can do. Yeah. You know, and then other opportunities started to work up, and then. The book started doing well, and then I signed a three-book deal, and then after that, I signed another three-book deal. So it was just like, you got to keep going, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the one that I'm most interested in looking is the, yeah, the PlayStation 100%. one. Um, that's the one. And I know that one that one is for pre-order right yeah, now. No, is it uh, out so the, or no? Because of COVID and the paper shortage and stuff like that, they've been slightly delayed. They have been done for quite some time. Um, the Genesis book should be out in like the next like month or so. So I'm guessing that the PlayStation okay. book should be out around, I would say, like fall or holiday. Um, I'm just going to preface this by saying out of all of the books that I've done, the Genesis and the PlayStation books are absolutely positively the strongest books in the so i have over 30 games in each book that's like my i have to have at least 30 Mm -hmm. um but the genesis and the playstation one book both have 43 each wow um and the reason why the playstation book i think is so sexy is because i remember i was showing the list of games to my buddy And he's like, man, this is really good. He's like, you've got like Tomb Raider 2, you've got Spyro, you've got Crash, you've got, oh my god, you've got... No Metal Gear in there? No. Metal Gear Solid in there? That's, yeah. That's okay. okay. There's always okay. somebody okay. that does that to me, but that's okay. You have to interview Hideo Kojima at some point. I know. At some at some point, you I gotta will. Do, you gotta but get somebody him. said, and you guys will appreciate this, somebody goes, man, you did a PlayStation book and you don't have Final Fantasy VII in there. Mm. And I was like, you're right. I can't get him. No. So that pissed me off so bad. <laughs> And I went, <laughs> did you get? And I got the oh. um, the head of the lo- of the North American localization team for Final Fantasy VII. So basically, like the way it used to be back in the day, is like you would have a bunch of testers, dialogue editors, a whole bunch of QA people, all in one room playing the game at the same speed, and they would be like. See, that doesn't work in the English market. That needs to be changed, blah, blah, blah. And they would do all of this to sync up the Japanese and English releases of the game and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And so the guy that's in charge of that knows the ins and outs of the game, like, and has a relationship with the development team that's, like, crazy. So he's, like, a great guy to, like, speak to. So mm-hmm. I'm speaking to him, and he tells me, he's like, man, just this one day, he's like, we're, we're all playing the game. And he's like, just one guy is like, oh, 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 man, oh, man. And we're like, what do you, what, what's wrong? And then he's like, then another guy is like, oh shit, oh man, is anyone seeing this? Oh man, so now the localization manager thinks that there's like a bug in the game or a glitch or whatever. And then another guy is like, I'm done, mm-hmm. not playing anymore, can't do it, blah, blah, blah. This is the moment where Sephiroth kills Aeris. Oh. So he was in the room when Aeris died for the first time in America. Mm-hmm. And how it experienced players for the first time. And he tells that story in the minds behind the PlayStation games. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like one of the craziest stories I've ever heard from a game developer. It's just like, that scene hit us hard, but it hit like the pros at Square yes. so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, so like after I got that story, I went to my friend and I'm like, asshole. <laughs> weed them and weed <laughs> so, and, and that's interesting, that story that you just said, because it, it, it just goes to show you the power of, and not to sound like corny or anything, but this is the power of games, right? You yeah, have sure. these developers who are like, you know, they build this from scratch, they build this out of love, and then they have these moments where they do something as tragic, as, as crazy as that. Yeah. And 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 it, and it and it does something to you in your core, you know. And you're like, yeah. "Holy crap! This is what video games can do. This is a medium. This is a, a type of, you know, of, you know. This is mo- this is like watching a movie. This is like um, seeing a play. Like they have the same emotions, you know. Absolutely. Oh, wait till crisis. If I don't cry, me. Rob, I'm gonna be mad. Score. That's all I'm saying. So, like to me, it's like <laughs> video games are the highest grossing form of pop culture in mm-hmm. in the entire world. There's like no doubt. And, um, but the thing is, it's just like, if I go, you know, who wrote, you know, Romeo and Juliet, you guys go William Shakespeare. I'm like, who sings Thriller? You're like, you're like, yeah, I know. Who's that? Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson. If you're really cool, you say Fall Out Boy sings Thriller. Um, but, um, <laughs> if I go, you know, who, who created Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? You'll go, oh, oh, that game, like my mom and dad played back in the day. Like, but you won't know, even though the game has sold right. millions upon millions of copies. Uh, you know? you so, I, so I've right. dedicated yeah, they don't a get huge part of my life to giving game developers an opportunity to like tell their story. So it's just like I'll give you like one example. Um, Aladdin on the Sega Genesis is like top. It's like it's like, so it's like top three in sales yep. on the Genesis. Um, very different from the Super Super Nintendo version, but that's a story for another day. Um, but the lead developer on that game um is six foot eight. And slept in his car for most of the development cycle, you know. Oh, so crap. it's just like people don't see that. So like in every chapter of the minds behind the games, in any of the seven books, like the guys and and gals will tell you, yeah, this is how the game was published. This is why this level feels this way. But then they'll also tell you like, oh, I was getting married at the time, or I didn't get to finish the game because my brother died, and that's what the reason why level five and level six play completely different because somebody right. else finished it and blah blah blah. Or, you know, people say that they like this this game the best in the series, but I didn't develop that one. I developed this one and this one. So it's just like all right. of those little ins and outs. So if you're one of those people that um loves that type of behind the music, VH one like behind the music type stuff you oh, will love yeah. these books because it's about the people that make the games and the yep. lineage of the game so obviously there's going to be like sales numbers and and meta metacritic scores and stuff but it's sure, going to be sure. more it's going to be more about like how these games affected the people like I'll, I'll tell you guys like another quick story like chronicles of riddick on the xbox is like one of the greatest like first person shooters of all time mm-hmm. it only it only sold 400,000 yeah. copies because it was marketed like shit and uh, the PS2 version um, couldn't perform um, because the PS2 is n- not even close to being the technological device that right. the Xbox was. So they right. had to cancel that. Um, and it basically like put that company that developed it like in it, it bankrupted them. So it's just like you release like one of the greatest games of all time and you don't even like make any money off of it. And mm-hmm. it influenced like, right. yeah, it influenced punished. like Fallout 3. It influenced so many other great games, but these guys never were able to get, you know, or like Max Payne was basically developed in a basement, you know, oh. like there's so many great stories, you know, um, in all of these books. And that's what I try and do like from the beginning. And it's just like, it could be a good game. It could be a bad game. Like one of my favorite chapters that I've ever written is Night Trap. And so many people have been like, oh, Night Trap sucks. And it's like, if you realize that Night Trap was originally designed in 1985 
for a console created by Hasbro that was never released. If you put that into perspective and say that Night Trap was released the same year as Super Mario Brothers, and you compare the two, being able to control a horror movie over like just jumping and like eating, you know, the reason why Night Trap is like has such a crappy reputation is because it came out on the Sega CD, which was a floundering console in the first place, and it came out mm-hmm. seven years right. after it was originally released. So it's like, wow. imagine if Super Mario Brothers came out in 1992 instead of 1985, its reception right. and legacy would be completely different. So 100%. So that's like um, what yeah. I try and do in each chapter of the Minds Behind the Games, just like. I hate when when people go, oh, this game is good, this game is bad. I'm just like, you know what, let's put all those opinions to the side mm-hmm. and let's just break down the journey of the game. What was this game originally trying to do? What did it, mm-hmm. what did, it did it get to do? How did the people, I love that. you know, and that's a lot. How did it There's affect so much. a lot of the developers? Like, I resonate with that so much because, right. at least for us, I, at some point in the future, we're, we're just starting out as a podcast, but I've told this to Rob, too. I think we what we want to do is build a community where we have the platform for developers to come into our podcast and talk about just exactly what you're doing with your book and just say things like that you know and i think that really speaks to me because it is one of those important things that people don't really know or care about honestly because you know the general public are just like i just want to play my game they play the game and it's out of sight out of mind they don't understand how much work people about that right yeah Mm -hmm. they don't understand how much work it takes to become a developer to make a a game crunch Crunch. is a huge factor in a lot of the gaming industry right now crunch has been going on for for 40 years i mean et think about it et on atari 2600 is like a quintessential crunch story you know but it's just like with people like you know the angry video game nerd and pat contrary where it's just like it's fun to like just shit all over games and consoles and stuff like that it's just like people are going through a lot to make this art and bottom line that's what it is like video games are art they should be appreciated as art you know Mm -hmm. so but it's like i've tried to have these conversations with people in gamestop and in retro game stores where they'll be like oh i like this game and i'm like you know why you like this game because the guy that developed the combat system for this game also did this this and this and they'll go wait what and i'm like Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you like Crash Bandicoot 1 and 2, but you don't like 3 and da 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 And they're like, why? And I'm like, that person but people don't get that. You they know? don't understand that. <laughs> so. 100%. I want to say uh, real quick, too, like you, you talk about the games like Riddick, Chronicles of Riddick, where like that company, yeah. they, they, they failed, right? It was such a great, one of the great games, but they failed. But, you know, people don't know about uh, Apex Legends, right? And how Titanfall 2 is considered an amazing game, mm-hmm. but yep. it didn't sell yep. well, right? And people would never know. I mean, thank goodness they came out with Apex Legends and had kind of like a swan song with that, but they could have been in the same exact boat of like, they just fall into that, that ether. And, but again, you don't hear about that stuff and it should be celebrated more. I mean, of course, like we that. know about that, right? The people that are in the know with the gaming industry, but a lot of the folks out there that are just right. very casual gamers have no idea what's going on. And that's, Absolutely. you know, I mean, that's my it's big just, sales pitch too because it's like yeah. if you I, I tell people all the time if you love games you will adore my books um, oh yeah if you like games they may not be for you but the thing is it's just like if you really like want to know then it's like i tell people too if you're if you're somebody that wants to develop video games i feel like you should read my books too because you're going to understand some of these people got divorced because of their games some of these mm-hmm. people you know put on weight some of these people did this did that and they talk about that they talk about listen i was sleeping on the floor for six months yep. you know or like such a funny yep. story in the in the playstation 2 book i just sent in the manuscript like two months ago um i'm not sure if you guys know this but def jam vendetta 
um, on PlayStation 2 and GameCube and stuff. It was originally supposed to be a WCW game. Um, really? Yeah. I and mean, WC- looked, I can see why, yeah. WCW went out of business, so then, like, EA wasn't stupid, and they're like, we need to get another license. So mm-hmm. they ended up getting the Def Jam license. So then they, they, they sent some poor producer um, to go contact all of these rappers. And uh, one of these producers went to, like, DMX's house okay. and was like, listen, we want to put you in the game, blah, blah, blah. And DMX is like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let my pit bulls out. And if you can get to the gate in time, like if you're if you can if you can man up, I'll be in your game. And the guy's like, really? Like, come on. So just like this producer had to like basically it was like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons, release the hounds. Yep. Like that's what that's what DMX did. Right. So run for his life for this. So you would never think that anything would happen like this in the video game industry. You know? But it does. It absolutely does happen. So that's that's been so much fun. Like being able to hear these stories from these people. Um it's like I love watching people. It's happened a couple of times. It's been really cool where, like, I've been on a train in New York City and I've seen somebody, like, holding my book and reading it and they, like, That's have awesome. no idea who I am. And That's I'm just watching awesome. them. And a couple of times people have gone, like, like that. Like, like they can't believe, like, what they're reading or they're just, like, like this and they're so into it. And I'm just, like... Like, stressed yeah. out for the person. You know? That and must I'll, feel God. so good, Patrick. I've come over to them after and I'm like, you like that book? And they're like... Yeah, and I'm like, that's good. And they just think I'm weird because I wouldn't. Yeah, you just myself, walk you know? away like, fuck, I'm like weirdo. that's good. That's good. <laughs> yep. Do you, do you autograph it? Uh, if the conversation continued, sure. Have, you know, but yeah. I, I like to I like to keep a low a low, low profile. profile and stuff like that. Yeah, if they if they there's pictures of me yeah. in the books, like you know, in yeah. like the in the preface and stuff. There's a picture of me like holding my daughter in my man cave with all my games and stuff like that. So like, if they read that, they would recognize me and stuff. Sure, but sure. like. Uh, a couple of times I've just been like, oh, so you like, you like video games? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Cool. You know, Keep like, doing have that. Have a good one. You know? <laughs> Keep reading that book. Meanwhile, kid. you're right yep. there. Um, awesome. We're running a little bit out of time yeah. here, but I do want to ask a few more questions if you're okay sure. with that. Um, yeah, yeah. You're also a voice uh, actor, correct? <sighs> yes. Yes. Talk to, uh, just, so tell us a little bit about that. Like what, how did that start? What, what, what games have you been on? Yeah. What games are you going to be on in the future? Obviously there's, there, there's a lot of, um, um, what are they called? And, and, and yeah, there's some NDAs really and talk stuff. about, but yeah. Yeah. So, oh my yeah, God, yeah. the way it happened, like I get asked every day, well, Oh, how did you get into voice acting? And I'm just like, the way I got into voice acting, no one else will ever get into voice acting. It was a complete, you know, so the first minds behind complete accident. Like almost accident. Um, so what happened was, wow. um, the first minds behind the games books come out. And, uh, so re- on review fix, um, I've interviewed hundreds, probably, probably over a thousand indie game developers over the past, you know, 11, 12 years. So a lot of the times I just go on Twitter and I just look for indie games that are cool. And then I'll contact the developer. I'm like, let's do an interview. Let's do a Q and a, let's do a, you know, a little, a quick, like 10 minute phone call, quick little interview, blah, blah, blah. So I found this game that was on steam at the time and eventually came out on PS4, Nintendo switch, you know, um, Xbox one called the Padre. Um, and it's basically like this, um, Minecrafty looking survival horror game. And it looked really cool. I dug the lighting and stuff like that. So I messaged the guys and, um, they were from Bulgaria. Um, so I did an interview with them. It got good traffic and I just kept talking to them, BSing with them. And, uh, they asked me eventually if I wanted to play the game. So I played it and I told them basically that there, there was a lot of typographical errors in, in the dialogue in the game. And it basically was because they were from Bulgaria. English was their second language. So I was like, listen, you, you got a narrative heavy game. You really need to clean up the grammar. 
And they're like, well, would you want to do it? And I'm like, sure. So <laughs> I did it in like a day. Um, I edited like the entire story of the game in like a day. And they're like, oh, do us a favor. Refresh your Steam. Like, down, we just updated the game. So then I start playing the game. And I see my edits are in there already. Same day. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. So then, so then they paid wow. me. And I thought it was like one and done. Then a couple of weeks later, they messaged me again. And they're like, we got some more edits for you. So I'm like, so am I like the dialogue editor now? They're like, yes, you're the dialogue editor. We're going to give you credit in the game. You know, the digital instruction manual, the whole nine yards, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, that's awesome. So that's my first paying job in gaming. Awesome. So then what, what happens is uh, we're getting ready to go to Kickstarter. And they're like, we need you to edit the Kickstarter. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of pressure. But I'm like, I'm down. I'll help you. So I started doing it. And now like a couple of days before the Kickstarter, the voice actor that plays the main character in the game um, decides to leave. And they're basically, imagine like the count. Uh, yeah. You pull yeah. the Tom Brady. And uh, uh, imagine um, <laughs> like the count from Sesame Street. Being like, oh, we're fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. And I'm like, why? And they're like, um, I'm like, why? And they're like, because who? We, how are we going to get somebody? And I'm like, listen, I've edited every line of dialogue in this game. You know the ins and outs. And I was like, this exactly. guy's voice is not no. the voice of the character. It's not. When I hear his voice, I don't hear that. And they're like, well, what do you hear? And I'm like, something with a lot more baritone in it, like something a lot deeper. Like he sounded like Russell Brand. It's like, you know, like, well, you know, it's oh, like, no. well, I'm like walking down the street, you know, and it's like, it's not scary. It's not a survival horror voice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they're like, what are we going to do? I'm like, let me audition. And they're like, okay. So I knew I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to imitate that guy. Sure. And um, I've... I, I've always right, been right, uh, good at that Don LaFontaine, like, in a world, one man, one door to you. But I'm like, I can't do that either, <laughs> because you would just laugh your ass off the entire game. <laughs> so I'm like, what if I combine like that Russell Brand, because they like the English voice. Sure, they they sure. wanted the English accent, um, which is kind of weird, because it's the Padre. So it's just like, why wouldn't it be Spanish? But anyway, that's a story for yeah. another day. Um, <laughs> right? But they like the English <laughs> So then I was like, what if I combine the two? So Broly came across this dark, deep, my name is Alexander, and I am the portrait. And I, play, I basically read every line of text, and I sent it to them, and they, they loved it. So Chills, dude. I'm um, getting chills. That but is it's like I, I did it all. I did it all in one day. My throat dude. was like bleeding. Like my, oh my God, I was in so yeah. much pain. And they're like, refresh the steam. <laughs> And I refresh my Steam, and I'm watching the first cutscene of the game, and I'm just like, like, we're in. So me. the Kickstarter didn't get funded, which sucked. But oh, we ended sucks. up getting, we got we earned so much social currency. So there's a thing. If you're going to fail, you at least fail in the best way possible. So the thing is, we did so many podcasts. We built up so much good faith that, like, we ended up getting published by Feardemic. Um, and they released the first game on uh, Steam, Xbox One, PS4, Switch, and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. It's like it's like Alone in the Dark. That's what it reminds me of. Old school, mm-hmm. like Alone in the Dark. Um, and then we did the sequel, mm-hmm. The Padre, One Shell, Straight to Hell. And that's on Steam as well. Um, and that's a lot different. That's more like a top-down shooter with some like tower defense stuff going on. But there's some really good voice acting in there. I'm really proud of the voice acting in there. Um, but that, then that led way to like a bunch of other opportunities, like in the Caillou offensive, I'm the narrator in that game. I did, uh, 
the trailer for uh, Relentless Rex, which is still in development, and now I'm doing WrestleQuest, and I just did BPM Boy, which just came out on the Atari VCS. Um, Tony Barnes actually did it. Um, if you guys don't know who Tony Barnes is, um, he's one of the co-creators of like Desert Strike, Jungle Strike, Urban Strike, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Xbox, Star Wars Episode wow. Three, uh, Strider 2014, Medal of Honor 2010. Like the guy is like one of the founding fathers of like EA. Like he's he's an amazing developer. And um, if you love like Super Monkey Ball and Marble Madness, you will mm-hmm. love BPM Boy. So I know Tony is currently thinking of ports to like mm-hmm. nintendo switch and ps4 and 5 and stuff like that but it's killing awesome like the atari vcs now people are saying it's the best original game on the atari vcs right now and with with all good you know all for all good reason it's an amazing game and i enjoyed it because i'm the voice of the villain which i haven't been able to be a villain yet so that was a lot of fun interesting and the, the voice for the game is like totally ridiculous like i sound like a jersey shore like oh, reject God. you know it's like bpm boy oh yeah like it's so like off the wall yeah. but it was so much fun so and i mean wrestle quest i do over a hundred voices in wrestle quest so like the main character in wrestle quest is like macho man randy savages like protege uh randy muchacho man <laughs> santos mm-hmm. so it's like i get to you know, let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, the cream of the crop. You know, like I get to do yeah, that yeah. like the entire game. But like I'm doing the voices yeah, of like actually. the Legion of Doom, Junkyard Dog, Jeff Jarrett, like all these licensed characters, all these unlicensed characters, and um it's just been so much fun. But it's just like I feel like the minds behind the games like introduced me to a lot of developers that didn't know who I was and then I I promoted the hell out of myself with the Padre. So mm-hmm. it's just like the developers of the Padre aren't even in video games anymore, but I'm still doing voiceover. You know, so it's just like um I've just managed to leverage every opportunity that I've gotten and put my best foot forward every single time and it's just it's opened up some really fun doors for me. You are a go-getter, my friend. Like that that, that those stories, man. Awesome. I, I love the What What's the difference Under between voice acting and voiceover? Is there a difference between that? I would say like voiceover, like I do a ton of voiceover um, for like trailers for games. Um, I've done a lot for Mega Cat Studios, like Rony mm-hmm. Tale I've done. I've done a lot of like trailers for indie games and stuff. And that's more, that's more just like reading. Okay. Yeah. So that, you okay. Know? That's what we thought. Like, we were talking about that before. But okay. And then there's that like, sense. there's like micro yeah, we're like, voice eh. acting. And then there's like ma- I, I I think of it as like micro voice acting and macro voice acting. So it's just like especially like so if you're playing a game like Animal Crossing and it's just like <laughs> like somebody could do that like with the machine or they have somebody that actually does that. That's like right. that's micro voice acting. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like I do a lot of micro voice acting. Like if like if I'm if they ask me to like embody a character and like I'll watch like video of them and stuff and embody like one thing about them, like a laugh or, or you know, a chuckle or something like that, and I can do that. But like I macro always, is more like I always think lines. of um Electrobuzz, Pokemon, right? Like whoever's doing that is yeah. fantastic. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I just I love that. The best advice <laughs> I could give to to people that like want to get into voice acting is just like practice micro practice macro practice reading scripts practice like embodying scripts you know so it's just like mm. i've i've had this like in me since i was a little kid like i remember when like pokemon first came out and i was always like bow, bow, star, you know oh like, we the, do that oh we used to do that all the time like, as you, kids dude oh yeah, yeah i think everyone i think everyone so, does that right like if you guys want to see something really cool and stuff really like quick, that. so I'm everyone down. knows jigglypuff right you know like, oh, God. yeah 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 
right? Shit, but watch that's this. Awesome. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. It's just like. Okay, for, for people listening to the podcast right now, obviously you can't see what he just did, but he did not open his mouth the entire time doing Impressive. that. Impressive. He had his mouth. So it's just like, so my thing is like, if you can do a voice, wow. um, with your, you can speak your voice, you should be, to have like total ownership of it, like you should be able to do it with like with your mouth closed as well. So it's just like, I love Yoshi, so it's like, you know, it's like, you know, so it's like, it also helps with like your register. And things like that. So it's like I've interviewed tons of ventriloquists and stuff like that. And I've talked to them about like taking care of your voice and stuff like that. And just like, yeah. So um, fascinating. I'm totally like a student of like the voice and like what the voice can do. Like I've been in bands before when I was in high school and stuff. I've sang at Carnegie Hall and choruses when I was a kid and stuff. So it's just like, wow, it's so funny because like between all the prank phone calls as a kid and all like the impersonations and stuff, I never got into voice acting until... I got this stupid opportunity because I was doing dialogue editing on an indie game. And now I'm doing voice acting on of a hundred characters on like what I think is probably like going to be like one of the top five games of the year. Like it's so like under the radar right now, but like right. Russell quest is such, it's an extremely well-written Japanese RPG. Mm-hmm. The fighting system mirrors professional wrestling in such a wonderful way. Like it's got so many amazing things going for it. Like, I feel like it's going to blow so many people away. Like at PAX East, Ninja Turtles had a huge line. Mm-hmm. And after Ninja Turtles, we were absolutely positively the second most played game. Like I have no doubt, wow. you know? So awesome. So, yeah, man, we were yeah. yeah. PAX East this year. We would have saw you. We would have saw you there because we almost we almost went this year, but mm. I think I, yeah. I got COVID. Um, Pax East so was go, but so wild nice, because but... like I was at the booth for Mega Cat and I'm doing like voices of 100 characters for WrestleQuest, but I'm also doing like over 35 voices for uh, World Championship Boxing Manager too. Also, so it's like I'm doing voice of like Rocky Marciano, Sugar Ray Leonard, and stuff, and it's just like I love boxing, and like it's the sequel to like a 30 year old like Amiga boxing strategy game that like awesome. as a video game historian i love yeah. this series and like what it was able to do just like with text mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. to be able like I'm, I'm like the ring announcer i'm the boxers i'm their managers i'm like oh wow. it's insane it's so much fun so like this is it's definitely a fun time to be to be me right now you know like all the work is starting to like finally pay off pay off for sure for sure yeah i give wish... a clone do you have a clone that helps you with it seems like wish. it that, that's it seems like it I'll give you guys, like, some of the best advice that I could give anybody. It's just, like, if you're working with somebody and they tell you that they don't have time, run. Because you always do. Mm, The the option is to sleep less, to wake up early. My kids are up every day at, like, 6.30 in the morning. And my wife and I will just look at each other and go, all right. You know, like, we got to do it. You know, and, like. I'm doing the podcast now in the kitchen. My wife is in the living room doing her stuff. She's an entrepreneur herself. She's busting her ass. And, like, that's what you do, you know? And anyone that ever that you're working with, if they're like, oh, I'll see if I have the time, they just told you that they didn't want to do it. Right. You know? So you got to do it. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. Yep. And and you speaking about the podcast, you just released the first episode, right? Talking Comics. Yeah, yeah, we just really it's it's actually coming out tomorrow at like uh, nine a.m. and okay. uh, we're doing that to like really like spread the word of like you know the company and stuff because I mean, uh, John is a super solid podcaster. It's like totally in his wheelhouse. So I like want to activate him 
Because I feel like, I really feel like the more you work, uh, the easier it is for you to get in a groove. And, like, you're trying to, like, kind of, like, find your place and you don't know, like, where your place is. It's easy to get, like, lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for our company, we have super talented artists. Um, We only have, like, three writers and, like, they all kind of, like, work under, like, my learning tree, kind of, because I have so much writing experience and this is, like, their first comic. So Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, it's a different experience for the writers. But, like, for the artists, they're all, like, super talented. And John is super talented too, but John has all of this experience as a podcaster, and we weren't using that with Legacy. So I was like, right. why do we not have a podcast? You know, right. so it's just uh, that's an effort to like get him like in that groove because that's how yeah. I feel. I feel like like if you guys read comics, there's a great comic called Bastard Samurai um, mm-hmm. by Michael Avon Oming, and he talks about uh, this place called the Ima, I M A, and it's basically this place where like excuses don't exist. Where, like, everything goes exactly the way that you want it to go. And it's a culmination of just, like, working extremely hard and having, like, the bull bounce where you want it to go because you, you were in the right place because you positioned yourself in the right place. So it's just, like, everyone mm. has their own Ima. Right. You know, and for a lot of people, it's high school. They are the coolest person right. in high school. Yeah. Senior year, they could get any girl. They have the right, best, like, right. job that any 18-year-old could have, blah, blah, blah. But for some other people, maybe it's their 40s. For some people, maybe it's their 30s. For me, it's just like I never want to be a person that has a peak, right. you know? Yep. Like I want people – yep, I don't want people to be like, going. oh, you were really cool when you were 18, but you're like a dick now. Yeah. You know, like right. I want people to be like, damn, dude, like, oh, my God. You know, like you are you, – you don't stop. And it's just like, um, yeah. You want to Hockey see that line graph you know? like this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, always. That's Until the day I die, that's, that's the way that I want. want it to be. Like once, once these uh, – once – World Championship Boxing Manager and WrestleQuest come out, then, like, I want to work on other stuff. And I'm constantly pitching um, licenses for comic books. I'm constantly throwing my name out uh, what for voice acting What you're trying to do is you're, and... you're trying to create a legacy. Am yeah. I right? Am I right? I, I, mean, I mean, that's that's the exact reason why we started the comic book company. That's the, that's the, that's the name. That's, why the na- that's where the name comes from, right. you know? So it's just like... Um, Because I was working for a comic book company where I was earning, like, a pretty good salary. But it was just, like, there was no sense of, like, timeliness. Like, there was no competition. Like, I want to fight. Like, I tell John all the time, like, I want to fight. You know? Like, if I don't want it to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just do what you want. want." Like, oh, no. Like, let's fight every day. Right. You want. You know, like. That's how you grow. You challenge. You you have to challenge. Yep. You just say. I would rather over communicate things every single day. Then just like be along for the ride. I don't want anyone riding my coattails. I want people right. that are going to bust their ass as hard as I am. And if you can't, mm-hmm. then you're going to go. Then you're going to go right. somewhere else, you know? And exactly. you can go you're collect a salary from somebody else. You're not for us, you know? That's it. So I do that like everywhere. And I Ooh. think I think that's one of the reasons why like um, of all the companies that I've done voiceover, like I've had a ton of fun with Retro Ninja mm-hmm. because like Tony Barnes is amazing to work with. But I've done a lot more work for Megacat Studios. Um mm-hmm. And those people, I mean, if you guys don't know who Megacast Studios are, um, look them up. I've heard of them. They've done Coffee Crisis on, like, Steam and Switch and stuff, and they've done a lot of, like, uh, Sega Genesis they, they, games. They, yeah, there's something I, that, I know, that are, like, I know basically, that name. Yeah. Little Medusa. So they've done uh, NES Medusa? games. They've done Genesis games that are new Nintendo and, and Genesis yeah. games. Yeah, something um, clicks with me when I hear that name. But the thing is, like, they are such a beautifully run company like they are a well-oiled machine full mm-hmm. of ass kickers that are super passionate about games like um 
spending time with them at PAX East. Like I, I met, I've been working there on and off, like for, you know, the past like couple of years, but like being able to like spend serious amount of time with them in PAX East was amazing. Cause like James, Zach, Andy, Nick, all those guys, like those guys are ass kickers. Like they hmm. work incredibly hard and lean on each other. And it's just like, that definitely has like helped me as mm-hmm. like the owner of a, of a company and stuff like that. So like, that would be mm-hmm. like good advice that I would give to people too. Like, don't hire anybody unless you feel like that they could take your job one day. Like if you're hiring somebody just so they could be like your bitch, then mm-hmm. that's what they're going to be, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So fascinating. Fascinating. Pa- Patrick, I hate to cut you off, but no, it's okay. uh, we're running out of time here. Rob, any, any final thoughts, anything you want to ask uh, Patrick before we leave? I mean, dude, I mean, you gave us a wealth of knowledge. You know, you, you kind of let us into your world. And it, 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 trust me, it was like an adventure going down it. You know what I mean? There's there's so many things. We didn't even go I half. Like, we didn't ask half of the ride. questions, but it um, was just so much. Sorry. Like so much. Inf- yeah, no, that exactly. was great. You had so much information, so much wealth of knowledge that we didn't even need to. You know what I mean? But I would love to sit down and talk to you about all this stuff. But maybe this would be a perfect, you know, chance to do that for a different episode. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine yeah yeah i definitely would love to have you back and i love having these conversations um definitely gonna get your book we'll all, definitely put it's all gonna be in the show notes in the description yep. below um everything uh when it comes when it comes out we'll, we'll drop it on instagram and stuff like that um and yeah man like you have some good stuff and you should be rewarded for that stuff and i want to spread the good yeah, word because sure. um, you do good work thank you patrick for for you know having this chat with us and just being with us on the podcast we really appreciate it we really pre- appreciate your insight your, your your knowledge everything that you've given you know you know to this podcast um it was fun i had a blast talking to you and i hope we can do this again sometime yeah man i had a blast too um i'll just tell everyone if they want to find out more um instagram is like my preferred social media of choice i'm on facebook too but like uh, patrick hickey jr on instagram uh if you want to find out more about my Nonfiction, patrickickyjr.com. You can buy all the Minds Behind the Games books there. If you want to find out more about the comic books, Legacy Comics, C O M I X.com. So, uh, my my nonfiction and my fiction are completely different from one another. My nonfiction mm-hmm. is like incredibly selfless. I let those game developers tell their stories. There's like none of me in there. Um, but my comic book writing is very different. It's fiction, so it's a lot more selfish and fun and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, if you read both, you definitely get a good idea of who I am as a person. So thank you guys for uh, giving me a, giving me a platform to BS about stuff that I love. I absolutely, appreciate it. Absolutely. Rob, any final thoughts? I was going to say all of these will be in the links uh, in the description below where you listen to your favorite podcast. Um, and you can just go there and we'll, we'll put everything for you guys to easily access. Please, please support Patrick. Um, he is an incredible human being and we want to see him do more and he's going to keep doing more, but um, getting your support would be amazing. And if you like what, what uh, we're doing, so guys, if you like us having a guest on the show, please, we recommend that you give us a rating on Apple or Spotify. It really does help the channel. It really does help the podcast a lot with the algorithm. So please, we really appreciate it. Uh, this has been 76, episode 76. Thank you guys for watching. Until next time.